Church Project, I'm, I'm glad to see you here today. Um, we're a church, a gathering of people that, that love Jesus. We love the mission of Jesus in this world, and we want to live that out together. But we're also a project. Raise your hand if you're a project. Okay? <laughs> you're, you're continually growing. Just like me, we're continuing to grow to figure out who God is and who we are in light of who God is. And so, welcome. I'm glad that you're all here today. Uh, I've missed you, church. I'll just say that. I've missed you. I've missed you, John. Love you, man. Love you. It's been good. My name's Aaron, by the way. I'm a visitor here today at Church Project. Um, I'm normally just the pastor that talks a whole lot, but you've allowed me to be gone for the last four weeks, and it's been really good just to, just to recoup, rejuvenate, to actually not go to church anywhere except in, in, uh, in Pennsylvania. I went for two weeks over there. The other two weeks, I didn't even go. We just slept in. Like, I'm jealous when you get to do Remember when, when you just you wake up on Sunday and you, and you say, hey, I'm not going to go to church today because I don't feel like it, and you feel bad, don't feel bad about that, because I got to do that for two weeks, and it was awesome. But I, I want to tell you this, I'm glad to be back, and I'm, I'm excited for where I think God has us now, and I'm excited for I, where I think God is taking us in the future, especially this fall. It's going to be an incredible time, church, and so thank you for allowing me to be away. And this yuck stuff is gross, man. <laughs> Um, I want to remind everyone before we get into the passage here today that the month of July are no house churches. So if you're a first-time guest, we do, we do three things, and we do them really well, and that's all that we really do. One of the things that we do is ministry partnerships. And, and yes, in Haiti, um, we have a ministry partnership there. We were in Houston last, uh, this last couple of days, and they sent a mission trip from Houston to Haiti. And so it's cool to see that's one of our ministry partnerships that we have. And we have a handful that we're really invested in here at Church Project, relationally and financially. So if you've ever given a penny of tithe here, guess what? You're supporting all these ministry partnerships that we have. So that's one thing that we do. The other thing that we do, and we do really well, is our house churches. And that's just like the early church. We see they met in, in the temple courts by the thousands, which is kind of our Sundays. Not quite the thousands, but, you know, you get it. You get the picture. But they also met by the dozens in house churches. And we do that in our community throughout the week. However, for the month of July, we're not doing that. We're taking a break. We're giving our house church pastors and the host homes just a moment to breathe and to, and to recoup as we get into the fall. It's going to be a fantastic fall. But I would encourage you to do this. If you're a first-time guest or you're not part of a house church, we have cards on the back table where that offering box thing is. And if you would fill out, just give us your email address and say, I want to get connected to a house church. Our house church directors will get in contact with you and, and you can start building that relationship. But there's only three things that we do and you can read it on our structure back there. Our Sunday gatherings. Welcome. You made it today. Our house churches. I think that's where we really get the essence of church, right? You get, you get to be known and you get to talk about scripture, you get to pray together and grow together, I encourage you to be part of that, and then our ministry partnerships is what we do as well. So, welcome to Church Project. The last few weeks, what we've done since I've been away and been on a a break, is we started a series, and the series was called Stories of Jesus. 
And we had three different gentlemen speak, and I've been listening on the road and going, this is fantastic that we can have three different guys get up and speak and do an incredible job. And so we had Jeff Davidson last week, and he gave us his promise right up front that he would cry at the very beginning, and he sure did. I mean, it was, it was awesome. If you missed it, you can listen to that on the podcast. But one of the things I complimented Jeff on this morning was just, you know what, when you speak, we believe it. Like, we know, like, the passion of God is in you, and in the world where there's so much just moving, like, fakeness, right, you, you just really spoke about and showed us what it is to love God, and so thank you very much for that. Um, and we won't get into the detail with the other two, but I, I do want to thank Keith Harrison for speaking. He's our church project pastor in, in Aurora, and then who else spoke? Ryan Doherty, yeah, Ryan Doherty, he kicked it off right away, and so it's been fun doing the parables, and it's been a lot of fun today. We're jumping right back into the way that we typically teach, and so at Church Project, we do expository teaching, which means we pick a book, and we just start walking through that book. We're in no rush to get through any book. We believe the Bible is totally inspired by God, and so we're going to take our time walking through it. If you were here the last time that I spoke, four weeks ago, um, I spoke on 50 verses, and that was craziness. I apologize for that, but I didn't know how to break it up. So, because you powered through that, and because we powered through those 50 verses, open up your Bibles to Acts chapter 7, verse 51. And we're only going to get to, to chapter 8, verse 1. So we're only doing a few verses. But I felt like it was important to kind of set up the context of, of, of even today as we're getting back into the book of Acts. That, you know, like what we saw in this video here. The stories that we're reading about in the Bible, are, these aren't just make-believe fairy tale stories. These, these are real, actual accounts that have happened in life. And even like the video we saw, there's real, actual places where these events took place. And being 2,000 years removed and being thousands of miles away, it's easy for us to grow up. And, and we heard about Jesus in Sunday school, and we did the whole felt board thing. Raise your hand if you did the felt board, like the cutout Jesus manger thing. It was great. We should bring that back. I think that was awesome. It's easy to grow up in that church setting in America and experience all that, but it never really be completely tangible and real to you. And so as, as we're reading the book of Acts, one of the things that I, that I love the most about the book of Acts is that it takes us back to that place. It takes us back to when this whole thing, just look around, this, the ecclesia, the church, it takes us back to when Jesus threw humankind the keys to the church and said, I'm going to build my church upon you. You, you are the people. And Jesus leaves the scene, he gives us the Holy Spirit, and we begin to see in the book of Acts, and we're in chapter 7, verse 51, we begin to see how us, humans, get to interact with the Holy Spirit as the Holy Spirit is guiding and growing the church. This is cool stuff. Like, this is the blueprint of what Jesus, what God has designed church to be. So what I want to do is, let's just read these verses, Acts chapter 7, starting in verse 51, and then we'll talk about them here in a minute. You stiff-necked people, your hearts and your ears are still uncircumcised. You are just like your ancestors. You always resisted the Holy Spirit. Was there ever a prophet your ancestors did not persecute? They even killed those who predicted the coming of the righteous one. 
And now you have betrayed and, mur- and murdered him, you who have received the law and that was, given, that was given through angels, but have not obeyed it. When the members of the Sanhedrin heard this, they were furious and gnashed their teeth at him. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up to heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Look, he said, I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. At this, they covered their ears, and yelling at the top of their voices, they all rushed at him, dragged him out of the city, and began to stone him. Meanwhile, the witnesses laid their coats at the feet of a young man named Saul. While they were stoning him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he fell on his knees and cried out, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. When he had said this, he fell asleep. In the, verse, the first verse of chapter 8, and Saul approved of them killing him. God, I pray today that as we begin to look at this passage, that you would move in our hearts and you would move in our spirit. God, show us who you are. Show us who you are. And may we see you through the power of this written word. In your name we pray. Amen. So Acts, I want to set it up just a little bit if, if, we're, if you're jumping in going, what is happening here? Acts is a continuation of Luke. Luke wrote the book of Luke. Hey, you'll, you'll get that one 100% of the time on the test. I love those tests, right? Luke wrote Luke. Acts is a continuation of Luke's writing. And when Luke was writing Acts, he was writing to his friend Theophilus so that he would be certain of the things that was taught of him, of of God, of Jesus. The book of Acts was written sometime between 62 and 64 AD, and it contains 1,007 verses. Count them if if you don't believe me, but 1,007 verses. And it's a significant book because it's Luke writing to his friends so that he would be certain of the things that he would be taught. It's key to be aware that as we're studying the book of Acts, that the, the, the church in Acts is guided by the Holy Spirit and not by human governances. I want to say that again. And even our video that we just watched a minute ago, it's key to be aware and to be reminded that the church is growing because of the Holy Spirit, not because of this human tradition or governances that were built up, right? Just like we saw in the video. Oftentimes, people go to the Church of the Holy Sepulchre, and, and you can get so lost in tradition. You can get so lost in the beauty and the awness of what's tangible that we can, we can begin to see and say, look what we've built. Look what we've done. And so it's key to be reminded that as we're looking through the power of the book of Acts, and we're staying in the context of why it was written and to who it's written to, it's not because of man that any of this power is happening. It's not because of man at all. It's because of the Holy Spirit moving through us. Now, what's exciting about this is even when we're looking about and we're talking about Stephen, who unfortunately dies today. Sorry, Stephen. But we're looking about Saul and we're looking at all these other characters that come about. They bled just like we do. They cried just like we cry. They're not some superhumans long ago that God just raised up and was like, they're above and beyond us in 2017. Absolutely not. It's the same Holy Spirit that built this church that's building our lives today. So don't get so separated in the story that this is something that happened way back then. Like, 
God is moving in our lives and he loves us in intimate ways. Do you believe this? As God built his church then, he continues to build his church now. And oftentimes, in spite of me, or is that how you say it? Even though I can mess up, he's still building the church in me. Thank God for that. So, we don't read how Stephen goes on a, on a lengthy, heated speech like we just read in, this, in these passages and the 50 verses leading up to it. We don't, we don't read that as the only way to approach situations like that. We, we don't read it that way. Because if any of us were in that situation, we'd probably respond completely different. All we get to do is we get to see how Stephen responded to the Sanhedrin and being arrested. And so we get that story, but also that's not the only way to respond in that situation. It is one of many ways he could have responded. What is important to remember is that the Spirit moved in him. And by the way, I'll say it again. That's the same spirit that God has promised to each and every one of us. That one, I don't know. Maybe I was expecting like an amen or something. There you go. Come on. Mark Mark 1.12. What did you say, David? Say amen. We'll say it again. Mark 1.12 says this. At once the Spirit sent him out into the wilderness. This is talking about Jesus going into the wilderness. Who sent Jesus into the wilderness? The what? Spirit did that. Okay? Mark 13.11. Wherever you are, whenever you are arrested and brought to trial, do not worry beforehand about what to say. Just as whatever is given you at that time. For it is not you speaking, but who? The Holy Spirit speaking. See, the Bible is littered, and we can read multiple scriptures all day long about the Spirit. It's about the Spirit moving in us. And so the church was built by the Spirit, not by human hands. Stephen responded in this situation not because he was the most intelligent, brilliant, brave man in the whole world, and he was built on a relationship with Jesus. Amen to that. And we can hold him up and say, thank you, Stephen, for the life that you lived, but he is no better than us. We have the Spirit of God in us, and I thank God for that. So let's look at these verses. I think I beat that topic up quite enough. (laughs) So let's look at, I'm going to read verses 51 uh, again. And so if if you would look, it said, You stiff-necked people, your hearts and ears are still uncircumcised. You are just like your ancestors. You always resisted the Holy Spirit. Was There ever a prophet your ancestors did not persecute? They even killed those who persecuted the coming of the righteous one. And now you have betrayed and murdered him. You who have received the law that was given through the angels but have not obeyed it. He's sitting there and he's he's given this account and he's talking. He's speaking passionately to these people that have arrested him. And he knows it's probably not going to end well for him. And he continues to speak a very, very bold truth. And so in verse 51, it says, you stiff-necked people, your hearts and ears are, always, are, are still uncircumcised. That word uncircumcised, they were uncircumcised, they were circumcised in the literal sense. Ouch. Jewish people, they were circumcised in the literal sense. No thank you. In accordance with, with the, the Abrahamic institution at that time and what you would do as, as a good Jewish person, um, 
But as Stephen begins to speak, he's saying, you are circumcised. You're just not living it. You're not living it. Like you, you, you show the signs of saying you follow a Messiah, but you're not living it the way that you're saying and the way that you're speaking. Just like the prophets before you, they would not hear it. It was more about the rituals and the traditions and the circumcisions and everything else. But the Spirit is missing. Like, where is the Spirit? And Stephen, I don't know the context. I don't know the, the inflection of Stephen's voice. I wasn't there when he was speaking. But how, how would you hear it? Would you hear it as Stephen, his heart breaking for the people, going, you wicked people, you're missing it. Like, just like your fathers and your father's fathers did, you're missing it just like them, and, and his heart's crying out. Or do you read it like Stephen going, you wicked people, like you're missing it. I don't know how he was speaking, but he's saying, you're missing it. You, you may be circumcised literally, but you're not circumcised. Stephen could have been irate, irate. he could have been fed up. But one thing I know, and we can see it, is he was resolute in his response to the hypocrisy that he was seeing. He was resolute in his response to the elitist positioning of the leaders that were in authority at that time. He was saying, how dare you? You you come in here with your elitist mentality, and you come in here speaking hypocrisy, and you're killing the very thing that you're supposed to be the guardians over. Yet, their position, because they're the authority, and their pride blinds them, just like it had for their fathers and their father's father. Biblical prophets are never really received with open arms. If you, if you read your Bible and read about prophecy and prophets, it's never really a very good thing for them. They, they say things no one else is saying or willing to say, The office of prophet no longer exists in in 2017. But the calling, the calling of being a prophet is something we should all hope and strive to be and do. Because the calling of that is to speak and to live according to God's word. right? To live according to God's word and to speak that into existence and to speak that into other people. We should all strive to to be that and do that, no matter what is happening around us. And he says, as he's speaking in this passage, he says, your hearts and your ears resist the Spirit. The leaders of the time, they knew what to say, how to say it, but their hearts and their ears were resisting the Spirit. May that never be said about us, church. May we never, may it never be said of us that we were circumcised, we looked the Christian part, we, we did the Christian jiggy dance, we, we had the Christian cross, we, we had everything on the outside that just displayed we were Christian, but our hearts and our minds were uncircumcised, never sold out to God. May that never be said of us, amen? He said, you hear the voice of God, yet you were so calloused you missed it. And you probably made the biggest mistake of your life. Which, encouraging wise, is this. Which, by the way, it had to be done this way, right? It, it had to be done this way. While their actions um, were in line with the... Was, I, would, I would ask this. Were the actions, their actions, in line with the will of God for their life? The Sanhedrin, the leaders of that time, who killed Jesus... Was it? 
I would say talk about it in house church, but we don't have house church this week. That's a bummer. Okay, well, take someone out for coffee from your house church and talk about this. This is a great topic to talk about. One of the things that I think about when I get into this and I begin to think about this is that in spite of what they did and how they did it, God still used it to accomplish everything that he hoped to accomplish in this earth. So I would pose this question to you. The Sanhedrin was in charge of killing Jesus. Is that a pretty big mistake? We can say yes. You know what? Yeah? Yeah, to be killed. Here's what I would say and I would ask. If they were in charge of that, they were responsible of that, what great things is keeping you away from God? Just think about that in your own heart. If God even used those actions and did that with them and through them and we're still here, and I wonder if there were people in the Sanhedrin who came back later with broken hearts just saying, what have I done? Like one of the greatest things I've ever done and yet God still pursues them. We see that over and over again. They were in charge and responsible for killing Jesus, but multiple times and even right now, Stephen is going and compelling them and drawing them with his words and God is moving and drawing those people back to him. So if God can do that to someone who killed and was in charge and responsible for killing his own son, what great action is going to keep us away from God pursuing us? There is nothing that can keep us away from God. He is pursuing us. He is loving us. There's no action so big that God won't forgive in your life. There's nothing that is so just bad that God will turn his head from us and run away. He's pursuing these men at this time. That's a great encouragement to me because I know that there's nothing that can separate me from the love of God. Let's go, uh, let's look at verse 54. When the members of the Sanhedrin heard this, they were furious. They gnashed their teeth at him. Imagine that picture, gnash their teeth. How do you gnash teeth? Gnash their teeth at him. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up to heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Look, he said, I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. Wouldn't that be beautiful? Wouldn't that be just beautiful? Just, if, if you're struggling right now with quiet times and spending time with God, or you feel like you're in kind of a little rut or something, why don't you just grab, just grab, this verse right here. Look, he said, I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. And just ask God to kind of pour that over your life. Just meditate on that. Sit on that. Dream about that. Ask for that. Pray about that. Like, isn't that beautiful? Amen. Verse 50, where are we at? 57. At this, they covered their ears. Idiots! Oh my goodness. How do you miss this? Like Stephen, he's, he's seeing Jesus sitting at the right hand of God. I mean, he's talking about this. I mean, he, it, this, is not, this is not fake. This is real. And what do the leaders do because of their pride in their position? La, 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 la. I mean, that, I mean that they're missing it. At this, they cover their ears and yelling at the top of their voices, they all rushed at him. Drag him out of the city, they begin to stone him. Meanwhile, the witnesses laid their coats at the feet of a young man named Saul. 
And while they were stoning him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he fell on his knees and cried out, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. When he had said this, he fell asleep. And Saul approved of their, of their killing him. In verse 55, Stephen was filled with the Holy Spirit, looked up and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. I, I, I think sometimes in life it's difficult to turn back when you've done something wrong in the middle of, of a conversation. It's hard. Lauren and I look back on some of the difficult times in our life and we've said this multiple times, that yeah, they were hard, but they just don't seem as hard as maybe they should have been. I look back and I go, man, you know, I'm looking at Rachel here, sitting here, um, and I won't speak on your behalf, but going through cancer, and you look back on it and you go, Does, was it as hard as you, you think it should have been? You know, or, to, or to, was God there graciously moving you and protecting you and loving you as you go through those hard times. And Lauren and I can look back at a lot of times in our life and just go, it wasn't as difficult as maybe I think it should have been going through that. And why? Because as Christians, God gives you the spirit to move in you and to keep you focusing on what's right instead of what's wrong. And Stephen is, I mean, he's in the middle of dying. That's a pretty bad situation. And what does God do? He shows himself to him. And Stephen is getting stoned to death, which, by the way, would you like to be stoned to death? And what is happening? God is even with him in there. In verse 57, as, as they all cover their ears and they're yelling at the top of their voices, they all rushed at him, rushed at him. Very few things are harder to do than to admit you're wrong <laughs> in the middle of an argument. Have you, have you ever done that? Like you're, you're in the middle of an argument You've got your position. And then halfway through, you realize, oh, it's wrong. But I ain't going to say it's wrong. Like, I'm here. Like, I'm, you, you with me, or am I just that proud, okay? <laughs> the, so so the, during my break, I took a lot of Lyft rides or Uber rides. And, and one ride I took from a guy on, a, like, a, a Thursday night. And I literally think he was drunk. I'm not joking. I'm like... I'm telling him where to go. It, 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 was, it wasn't good. I'm like, you should probably turn here. And so he opens the door to let me out, and there's a bottle of alcohol. I'm like, okay, you were drunk. So I want to set that up, okay? So that happened on a Thursday night. Friday morning, I take another lift to a place, and it's a place where I know I'm going. And this lift driver starts taking me there, and it, it, she's in the left lane. And, and I tell her, you should probably get in the right lane because it's, it's on the right. And she goes, well, the map says it's on the left. I'm like, I'm certain it is on the right. Like, I've, I've been here. I've, I've done this. And when we pass it, it was on the left. And I'm like, oh, dang it. Dang it. I'm certain. Like, oh, man. I tipped an extra couple dollars and just hung my head in shame. Sometimes it's hard to admit we're wrong in the middle of the argument. Maybe um, we're so stubborn that we, for, we, we just won't admit it. And I wonder in this, in this situation, like Stephen is even saying, look, hey, listen, smell, I see, like, Jesus, the Spirit of God is here. They're like, nope, nope, not listening, like running for it. Because their hearts, their minds were not uncircumcised. They were not circumcised. They were not in the Spirit and the love of God. When others say, look, there's Jesus, by the way. <laughs> look. There's Jesus. 
It's one of the things that even though yuck, and I've got it all off the table now, it just, it kind of falls off. It's kind of good. But even in yuck, like if we can see Jesus in yuck, and good job pointing about Jesus in yuck, um, if we can see Jesus in all these imago things that we're doing, if we can see Jesus anywhere, when people are saying, I see Jesus, look, pay attention, they missed him, okay? Verse 58, oh, I better go. I haven't done this for four weeks, so let me cruise up, okay? Verse 58, they dragged him out of the city and began to stone him. Meanwhile, the witnesses laid their coats at the feet of the young man named Saul. In verse 58, killing could not happen in the city of Jerusalem. It was raw. It was law. It couldn't happen in the holy ground. So what do they do? They weren't supposed to kill, and it's not supposed to happen in Jerusalem. So they bend the rules a little bit, don't they? They drag him outside the, the city of Jerusalem, outside the holy ground. Also, if that coat thing threw you off a little bit, it threw me off a little bit. Um, Jewish law, um, they were very good at following everything that the Jewish law said, except when it came to Jesus and murdering him and all that stuff. And they loved bending the rules a little bit, so they dr- drug him outside of the city. Um, Jewish... Um, but one of the things the Jewish law said is before you stone someone, you have to strip them of everything. So they take off all the clothes and strip them of everything. But they, they even did it. They, they didn't even do that. What they did is they took off their coats so it was easier to stone Stephen. So they even twisted the own law that they had made that God told them, didn't tell them to make these missional laws, but they made them to prove that they loved God. But even in the laws that they made that they were supposed to follow, they began to twist them to make them be whatever they wanted them to be. That was just an interesting, fun little fact. Let's go to verse 59. While they were stoning him, Stephen prayed, look, um, he, he, he prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. I say this, props to Stephen for being the first Christian martyr. I can't even calm down when I'm cut off in traffic. Yet he's getting stoned and he's praying that God would forgive him. But yet I want to cut off the guy that cut me off in traffic. When Luke is writing this, he's writing it so Theophilus would be certain that God is real and that God loves him. And yet, 2,000 years later, Luke is writing so that Debbie may be certain that God loves her. You know he does. And that we may be certain that God loves us. And no matter where we've come from and where we're going, the Spirit is active in our life. He's forgiving. He's loving. He's encouraging us. And even if you, like me, in this situation, I promise you I wouldn't be on the, on the side of Stephen back then because I'm a good Christian boy. I'd be in the Sanhedrin. I can guarantee you if I'm living in this time, I'm in the Sanhedrin. I'm following all the rules so I can prove that I, that, that I love God and that He loves me. So even if you've lived your life that way, like I have even, there's no rules that you're going to follow that proves that, that proves that God loves you more or makes Him love you more. 
And the opposite of that is there's nothing that you can do to separate you from the love of God. The Spirit is building the church then. The Spirit is building His church now because we are His church. And to that, I thank Stephen for giving this incredible message, for showing us how he dealt in this situation, for seeing how the Sanhedrin moved in this situation, to people pointing fingers at what was right and what was wrong, for all the things that we can understand, the things that we can't understand in here. But ultimately, I thank God that he sent his Savior, Jesus, to die on our behalf so that we may know him and that we may love him. I want to, in this place right now, just ask you to close your Bible. Though a lot of words, though a lot of cool points, we can do without that. Why? Because the Spirit is active today and speaking to you directly. So one of the coolest things or the coolest parts of church project for me on Sunday mornings is this part right here. When I'm done saying everything that that I feel like God's asked me to say and share as your pastor, that I have exhausted it all. I'm at the end of my intellectual presentation today. And I think that's where God really picks it up. And he says, I'm going to now move in the hearts and minds of every, every one of my children. And so as you sit here today, God is directly speaking to you. If you're going to pause long enough to hear, don't worry about lunch, what you're going to do this afternoon. In this moment right now, if, if, if you're willing, God will speak to you. Spirit will move in you. So I'm going to ask you just to close your eyes and, and hold your hands just in an open stance like this if you're comfortable with it. It's just a stance of submission. Saying, God, anything that I've held on to, I put in my hands and I ask you to take away. Any identity that I've built apart from you, I ask you to take that identity and remove it. God, anything I'm holding on harder than I'm holding on to you, I ask that you, I put that in my hands and I ask you to take that from me, God. And God, in, in exchange, an un, unfair exchange for all the stuff that I've given you, would you just give me your love, your identity? And as we sit here with hearts humbled, it brings Jesus great pride. It brings God great joy to say, I gladly take all that from you. And I gladly give you myself. Will you receive me today? Will you align your life with me? Will you just sit and bask and abide in me? I know that you're not worthy. I know that there's no man, no woman, no child on earth that's worthy of my love. I know that. That's why I sent my son Jesus to live a perfect life, to die on the cross for you. To take all that sin and all that stuff and yuck and junk to make you clean to let you run free to let you smile when no one else smiles to let you jump up and down to let you celebrate being alive to walk in my love and to display my love to others
So Jesus sits here and says this, love the Lord your God with all your, all your being and love your neighbor as yourself. And church, I ask us today, will you begin by loving Jesus and yourself first?